Billy's proposal followed me home. Little Billy wanting to know every last detail. And today, the hullabaloo stays with me as I slip into my corner of the library, my little nook where I disappear into the pages of a book. I love them all, stories of war, where passion and desire still bloom, tales of wild inhibitions and reckless romances, and one of my favorites, a novel of how a sultan's daughter leaves her life behind in pursuit of true love, of her soulmate. I hold the worn copy over my heart and stretch my numb legs out from under me. Between high rows of books, there's no better place to daydream. About Roy. I'm surprised I didn't think much about being his wife before yesterday. Maybe because things have always been comfortable, moving ahead one day at a time, never disturbed. I figured I'd get to being his wife at some point in time. That doodle sure did the trick to hurry it up. I smile, I do. Cause this is a good thing, marrying someone I've known my whole life. No surprises, safety, always there for each other. Like the time Roy got his first scar. We were down by the river, Roy swinging on a rope. He shouldn't have been. Roy is as nimble as a bull. A branch sliced him without him even knowing it at the time. When Roy surfaced, a trail of red ran over his jaw, down his neck. The water was cold that day, and I refused to go in. But when I thought he was hurt, I splashed in, fully dressed. No point marrying a man you wouldn't catch a cold for. I peer through a gap in the bookcase at the wall clock and sigh, disappointed it's time for work, but also anxious to get there. During the week, Mr. Banks normally lets me work a 12, but not today. The diner being slow, he needs fewer girls on the floor, which means coming in late morning. And that's costing me tips, money I could be putting toward our overdue electric bill. I drag my feet as I make my way to the door and wave to Mrs. Davis, who's bent over her desk reading a book, her oversized glasses low on her nose. Next door to the library, my bike leans against our shabby fence. Fixing my ankle-length skirt, I settle on the seat. It's not even noon, and heat is pooling on the dirt road. The sun beats down on my shoulders, and the hot dust kicks up each time my feet go round. After I get going, though, the breeze feels nice. I lean my head back, letting the air cool my neck, letting my thoughts drift here and there. At the old tracks, I'm careful to look both ways before I cross. A little girl was struck here, not more than a few years ago. She was from the other side, Dallas, so our little town didn't know her from Jane. It's still plenty sad, though. Dallas is a lot more bustling than Cement City, with a population 300 times our own. It's got big old billboards, buildings more than two stories high, banks, clothing shops, a theater, and more. But us, we've got a physician's office, general store, and telephone connections building. Though that last one doesn't do my family a lick of good since we can't afford a phone. But that's it. That's Cement City. We don't even have a school. We go into Dallas for that. The diner comes into view and I raise a brow. 
My best friend loiters outside the diner's alley door smoking a cigarette. That's a first. Blanche being round back. Not her dirty habit of lucky strikes. Blanche, what you doing here? I ask her. Amused that she's standing among the trash cans in her fancy knee-high dress. Waiting for you. She puffs from her cig before flicking it, then scans her surroundings with a wrinkled nose. Been here a whole hour. I can practically smell that old dusty book on you. Bet that's why you're late. You cannot. Besides, I ain't late. I slide off my bike. Mr. Banks cut down my hours. Hand on hip, she says. Shoulda told me. I ignore her and pull open the door to the diner knowing the ever-determined Blanche will be on my heels and that my boss won't care. Mr. Banks waves hello from one of the kitchens.